If I had to give you only one message to help you choose joy and increase the joy in your life, it's this one today because it has the power to release so much in your life and it's a key that too many people miss out on to achieve peace and lasting joy in their life. There's a phrase that we always hear going into uh, this time of year. It's actually a quote from Jesus. Acts 20.35 says, Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. To really experience a blessed, better, more optimistic, enthusiastic, encouraging life, Jesus says it comes through giving, through being generous. Generous with our life, our possessions, our time, our money. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this in and embrace this biblical truth. The key to a life of joy is a heart of generosity. The key to a life of joy is a heart of generosity. I've seen this time and time again. You'll be more joyful when you become more generous. Now, the time we see this to be so true is at a funeral. Growing up a pastor's kid and ministering in the church, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've never seen them put on the screen the bank numbers. Never seen possessions, pictures of just possessions. No, we celebrate how much of a life was given away, the generosity, the selflessness of a life. And what we find is that the people who lived a more selfless, more generous life had a better life, a more blessed life. Let's look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. The Apostle Paul starts out this section by saying, remember this. He says, we're going to talk about some things. As we talk about them, I want you to remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. The word in the Greek actually means hilarious. It's someone who, man, when they get to give, their heart rate goes up. It's just, get to give today. Yes. So excited. When you are generous, here's a blessing promise to you, verse 8, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 9, as scriptures say, they share freely, give generously to their poor, their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, who provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things, two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, needs will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. See how many times in just that passage alone it talks of generosity and giving thanks and joy. Today I get to launch something that we do heading into the Thanksgiving, Christmas, end of the year season. It's what we call the celebration offering. We call it the celebration offering because uh, we just give hilariously and we celebrate what God has done in this year and how far he's carried us and we celebrate with faith in advance of what he's going to do in the next year. It's just a show of thanksgiving and when I think about giving Christmas presents to my family and friends, I don't want to leave out my creator and heavenly father. And so this is the first time in a whole year that we've talked about giving or tithing or offerings 
in the church. So I want to do a good job today of teaching you what the Bible has to say about giving and generosity for Christ followers. Uh, So before I explain the celebration offering, let me just do some teaching on biblical giving. I didn't have room for this in your notes. You're going to have to put this out to the side. God gives us examples throughout Scripture of three kinds of giving. The three kinds are tithes, offerings, and extravagant offerings. Let's talk about the tithe. The tithe is a Hebrew word which means tenth or the first tenth, ten percent. We see it throughout scripture associated to the richest of the rich, to the poorest of the poor. The first time we see it in scripture is in gratitude uh, to God's authority and blessing. Abraham gives a tenth of his possessions back to God, not to invoke God's blessing, but to celebrate God's blessing. The next time we see it in Scripture, Jacob is doing the same thing. Then the tithe is introduced by Moses and the law. The Israelites were to return to God what was already his, and in doing so, recognize God's provision. Then we see the principle throughout the Old Testament. Then we get to the Gospels, and Jesus affirms tithing. But like he did with everything else, he says, hey, you really need to check your heart. And yes, you should tithe, but remember faith and justice and mercy And that's the sentiment we see throughout the New Testament. The Apostle Paul says to set aside a portion of our income, or just like in the verse I just gave you, he says you must each decide in your own heart what you will give. Again, not getting overly zealous or religious about it being a tenth, but in putting God first. And now some have used that verse to say that we're under grace now and not the law, so God no longer expects a tithe. And I couldn't agree more that we're under grace now, and you don't have to earn a right standing with God through anything except belief in Jesus Christ. So you don't have to tithe to earn a right standing with God. It's our faith in Jesus Christ that saves us. We don't earn our salvation. That's not our motive. But we do well to remember that tithing is not just Old Testament law or Old Testament covenant. It's an Old Testament principle that predates the law. And it's taught as a principle throughout the Old Testament. That's what we do when we learn from the Old Testament. We learn the principles that make us like God, more Christ-like, and spur us on in our faith. And I would also remind you that if we're under grace now, which we are, grace always gives more, not less. Grace costs Jesus his life. Paul even starts by saying, hey, remember, who sows sparingly will receive sparingly. So we'll talk more about the tithe in this message, but the second kind of gift is an offering. We see that in scripture. That would be like the New Testament churches funding new churches or sending help to the apostles or uh, meeting the needs and feeding the hungry. And then extravagant offerings are very sacrificial, uh, but they don't necessarily mean large sums of money. It's about the heart behind it. An example of an extravagant offering in scripture Uh, would be the widow who gave two mites, which were the smallest coins in the Jewish monetary system. And Jesus said she gave more than anyone because she gave out of her livelihood. It cost her something. It was a sacrificial gift. It was extravagant. So those are three examples of generosity and giving throughout Scripture. And it's just absolutely wonderful to live a life of generosity. So in our church, as a congregation, we bring our tithes all year. We return them back to the Lord. And then we also do this celebration offering. And we like to do a couple different things with the celebration offering. First of all, you need to know that we tithe as a church. It actually ends up being much more than a tenth. But the first fruits of what you give 
Um, we invest in a lot of places, locally, nationally, internationally. We partner with some great organizations, individuals, and other churches. I want to just quickly tell you who those are. We split them up into three categories. Locally, uh, we give to Heart and Hand, a food bank and benevolence, Family Resource Center of Cass County, helping local families, Kansas City Street Hope, uh, domestic sex trafficking relief, Caring for the Heart, it's counseling, Hope Haven, domestic abuse sheltering uh, Cass County, Life Choice Center, crisis pregnancy center in Cass County, City Union Mission, a homeless shelter in Kansas City, Joshua House, that's transitional housing for men. And then as a church, we do a lot of benevolence of helping people in our congregation or community or church who um, are getting laid off or need help in some way. And then nationally, uh, we give to ARC, which is the National Church Planning Organization, Rockbridge Seminary, training pastors and church leaders, Red Church, which is a new church plant in Virginia Beach, Virginia, we're helping, uh, Radio Bible Class, RBC, uh, we see that through the Our Daily Bread, but that's a uh, they get Christian literature into places that it's very hard to get that. And Mid-America Mission, it's a Bible camp in Arkansas. A church member moved down there uh, to help them. And then internationally, we give to First Love. That's Sex Trafficking Rescue in Manila and Orphanage in Nepal. Tell Asia, Church Planning and Pastor Training in India. United World, Church Planning in Moscow, Russia. Voice of the Martyrs, Persecuted Church Globally. Josh and Sarah Radomsky, Church Planning, Pastor Training and Economic Development in Kazakhstan. So all those ministries we vetted and we continue uh, to reevaluate that giving. And we make monthly contributions to them. And then we give over and above to them for special needs throughout the year. I could give you so many stories of how we're able to help immediate needs because of your generosity. Um, I'll give you a couple of them. When the hurricane season went through and there were so many cities struggling, and uh, we were able to immediately help churches in those areas, and you even gave above and beyond to do that. Uh, one church in Houston uh, that we have a relationship with is right in the line of where that hurricane went through. And uh, the church is two years old. They've already grown to 4,000 people. And they knew, I mean, they were just a base in that community that were helping people get the supplies they need, getting people where people needed to be, and just doing a tremendous work. And it's able to see how your generosity could help them do that. So as a church, we do that all year. And then we like to, in this season of generosity, do the celebration offering. And that offering goes to uh, giving all those ministries that I just mentioned an extra month. We haven't committed that to them. We surprise them with it. It's just awesome to uh, see their gratitude and thanksgiving when we do that. And then uh, our hope is that there'll be more after that, that we could do some things around here. Last year, we enlarged our lobby and um, we're thinking through how can, we, how can we reach more unreached people groups? How can we reach our community, our county for Christ? We'd just love for you to be a part of it. And that's the celebration offering. If you feel led to give to that, you can designate your gift as celebration. Uh, you could start giving today, but I'm not asking for it today. Uh, we tell you this kind of ahead of time uh, because uh, I'm not going to pressure you into giving an amount. You want to give you time to think about it, pray about it, and then you can give between now and the end of the year to the celebration offering. You can give it on the weekend, give it online. Uh, you can do it, text it. You can do it through the app, through CCB. There's information on the inside flap of uh, the giving envelope in your worship guide about that. And so really that'll kind of start next week after you've had time to pray about it and think about it as we give to that. I hope that's all super clear. I hope that excites you. Uh, it excites the fire out of me. 
I just love the generosity of this church that in a world that has a scarcity mindset, they look for loopholes and excuses not to give. Our church finds joy in giving, finds peace and lasting joy in generosity. And I just want to show you the joy in it today. Um, Tracking with your notes again, God really looks at the heart and wants us to have the right approach when we give. And there's different motives or approaches when we give back to God. You can have a got to give approach or motive. Like it's a tax bill, or like if you don't give, God will be broke. Maybe that's the way you've heard it before. Like if you don't give, we won't be able to fix the leaky roof, and God doesn't like a leaky roof. Those are his tears coming through the ceiling, and and it's kind of a guilt to give or a got to give, and we don't like guilt to give or got to give because we've found that if the gift is given an obligation, it won't be very meaningful, and it also won't be very consistent. So we don't give out of desperation that, you know, God doesn't desperately need what we have. We give because we desperately need what God has. And so we don't like guilt to give or got to give. And there's another approach to giving. Uh, I'm going to call it give to get. And this is where we reduce giving to a formula. Like if I give, God is forced to bless me and multiply my giving back to me. And he can do that. And he has, he may. But we don't want a motive that says God is nothing more than a vending machine that I put something in and get something out. And God does bless us when we give to him. We reap what we sow. and It's a promise. But when we make that the object of our giving, we miss the point. Because here's the kind of church he wants us to be. Here's the kind of believer I want to be and I want you to be. And that is the motive or approach that says I get to give. I get to give. This is a get to give church. It's not like you're going to hell if you don't give. You can come to Rockbrook Church and not give. This is not a country club. We're not going to be coming after you for dues. This is a get-to-give church. Or I'm just thankful to do it. I love to do it. Because it's not about what God wants from me. It's what God wants for me. And he wants the joy and generosity in my life. Now there's a play on meanings here where the reason we get is to give. God told Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing. And so there's a motive or heart behind it uh, that says that primarily the reason I get is to give, but then there's just a sense of honor that I don't have to, I get to. And God doesn't have to pry stuff out of my hands. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. We get to give. And so I want to teach this from a passage in scripture today that many have used as a negative I want you to see the joy in it. I actually took it as a challenge. Just What if I could take what people have used as the most negative passage on giving and show you that there's more joy in it than you could ever realize? It's from Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. It says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you. That's a promise, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And this is where a lot of preachers would maybe take off and spend the rest of their sermon saying, I tell you, there's some God robbers in this church today. But listen, God isn't upset of how he is affected by their unfaithfulness. God is upset by how his people 
are affected by their unfaithfulness. How it's taking away their joy. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. He didn't say that he would curse them. He says, you're already under a curse. And he says, I don't want you to live that way. So let's do something about it. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Whenever God says, bring it, I get excited. This is, the, this is what kept the temple system going so they, they could have a place to worship. And apparently, God's people were just tipping God. And he's saying, no, bringing the whole, bring the whole tithe. That there may be food in my house. God's always trying to provide. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. How much do we love Malachi? I mean, Malachi. This is Italian, Italian name. God says, test me in this. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, do not test the Lord your God. And Jesus quotes that when being tempted in the wilderness. But here it says, test me in this. Why? Well, God's making an exception to his rule. And he's saying, I just wish you would even try. Just Normally, God's the one doing the testing. But here's an area where just try me out. Test me on it. Bring the whole tithe. Verse 11, if you'll do it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This scripture here, sad scripture or joyful scripture? So joyful, so exciting. What an amazing promise. But then why is it when we talk about money and giving in the church, it's like people start squirming and their butt cheeks go into convulsions and we just can't get out of here quick enough. Why? Because maybe we're distorted. We've got the wrong motives. And then we're under a curse and we don't even, we don't even know it. So I'm going to give you 10, 10 things in the spirit of the tithe, the 10th. I want to give you 10 reasons to give, why we get to give. When you give, you actually activate some things in your life. I'm just thinking about the teenager in here this weekend who's just starting out, how powerful it could be to embrace giving back to God. I remember my first job, babysitting, and bringing that, that first tenth back to the Lord. I remember working at that retail store and being faithful and giving back to God and even now, Lauren and I count generosity just the great adventure of our life. I'm thinking of the believer in the room who's never fully trusted God, giving back to him, just the joy that's about to be unleashed in your life. So in the spirit of the 10th, I want to give you 10 reasons why I give. Number one, when I give, I get to grow in gratitude by documenting God's blessing. When that first 10% comes out, it's a way of saying, thank you, Lord, because I wouldn't have the ability to even have a job if it weren't for you. I wouldn't have the brain for it. I wouldn't have the health for it. You can say that with your lips, but when you say it with your giving as well, it comes from a deeper part of your life and your heart. Jesus says, you can honor me with your lips, but your heart be far from me. But check this out. He also says where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So how can I know that I don't just honor God with my lips, but I have a heart that's after his? It's when I give back to him. It's documented evidence that I've put my heart with his. I get an opportunity to thank the one who gave it all to me. I grow in gratitude by documenting God's blessing. Number two, 
When I give, I get to train myself to obey God's instructions more immediately and completely. I talked to a young man this week who said that tithing was the hardest thing for him to start, and now it is the very last thing he would stop. Why? What? He, he says, because it's trained me to follow Jesus more immediately and completely, and I've learned to hear his voice in all areas of life. What did he figure out? He figured out that 90% with him and God is way more powerful than 100% with just him. If you want to hear from God, to know how he's speaking to you, do the parts of scripture that he's already told you plainly. And tithing is a training ground, so I train myself to obey God's instructions more immediately and completely. Number three, when I give, I get to participate in God's higher purpose by connecting more deeply to his heart. This isn't hard to see. If you've ever had stock in a, in a company, I bet you pay a lot more attention to that company. Have you ever noticed that people don't wash rental cars? No, they just use it. Use it up and return it. Give it back. Just drop it off. And if the kingdom of God is a rental car to you to just get you where you want to go instead of taking ownership of it, how are you ever going to be more connected to it? The key to getting more out of it is putting something into it. So I participate in his higher purpose. Kingdom of God's not just a rental car to me. I'm going to connect more deeply to his heart. Number four, when I give, I get to build something much bigger than me that will last much longer than me. It's been said that life is like Monopoly. No matter how much you accumulate, all goes back in the box. (laughs) Next week, when we're baptizing people, don't you want a piece of that? Like, you couldn't make that happen because not any one person could. But don't you want to see someone raised in the newness, walk in the newness of life with Christ? Say, you know, I kind of had a part in that. I had a piece in that. God says, test me in this. See how I use it. See if it won't spark some joy in your life that will last much longer and be much bigger than you. Only a small percentage of people in our church are regularly trusting God with the tithe. And how can I preach on choosing joy if I don't give you the number one thing that would radically change your life and put joy in your life? That you can give your money to a lot of institutions and a lot of charities. Eventually, they will be obsolete and they will cease. There's only one thing that'll be around forever. That's the church Jesus died for. We get to be a part of it to build into people that will last for eternity. We get to partner with God. Man, if you're already a tither, this is your favorite sermon ever. Thanks for reminding me. If you're not, what a great opportunity ahead of you. Listen, some stuff in your walk with God you're going to struggle with for years, maybe even decades. This is something you could make one decision, one decision and be right on track. I'm not saying your finances will be in order overnight. You got to use wisdom. You got to make a budget. You might have to dig yourself out of a consequence, but it can start an amazing process because when we give, we get to build something much bigger than me that will last much longer than me. Number five, when I give, I get to break the back of greed and escape the chains of selfishness. When I give, it sends a message to the devil that I'm not going to be the type of person where the world revolves around me, that I'm going to be the type of person that every single time I receive, I'm going to give some of it away. 
Lloyd Chadrach said, generosity is to materialism what kryptonite is to Superman. I love that. Well said. Every time I give, pow. Every time I give, pow. Materialism drops. Pow. Break the back of greed. Pow. I become the person God wants me to be. Pow. I find some more joy in my life. Listen now, the key to escape the chains of selfishness is not to deprive yourself of something because then it's still all about you. The key to escape the chains of selfishness is to give some of you away. And we're all still growing in this area. It's amazing how in some areas I can be so generous and in other areas, not so much. You know, like when Lauren and I go to a restaurant and she says, honey, I'm not gonna order fries. I'll just have some of yours. What? (laughs) We got to go quick. Number six. (laughs) When I give, I get to wage war on worry by placing my possessions under God's protection. Other people may have to stay up all night worrying about it, but I sought first the kingdom of God. And now I can dedicate all that time I used to spend to worry. I can move forward because I've already made a commitment that my God is first. Write these in quick. Number seven. When I give, I get to order and enjoy what's left because I've given God my first and my best. I don't have to feel bad about the money I'm spending or what I have because my priorities are straight. And I can enjoy what God's given me to enjoy. I can enjoy what's left. You don't have to feel guilty for having something nice. This is the tone of Malachi 3. He says, I want to pour out a blessing on you. And God says, when you accumulate the way the world does, they don't even get to enjoy it once they have it. But when you accumulate the way God has for you, you get to enjoy it with no end. Number eight, when I give, I get to send a spiritual reminder to myself and my circumstance that my God is more than enough. Every time you give, it sends a reminder to the devil. It reminds you that my God is abundant. It reminds your circumstance, my God is fighting for me. Send a spiritual reminder to myself and my circumstance that my God is more than enough. Number nine, this one's probably my favorite. When I give, I get to spread the gospel to the world and preach the gospel to myself. God so loved the world that he gave. And every time I give, I preach the gospel with the gift. God is so gracious. Says that Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers, meaning that he made a way for us all to be in the family of God. What a gospel, what a good news. What a blessing. That God gave his first so that he can make a way for us to be a part of the family of God. It's my honor to sacrifice my first, to help someone else, to make a way for someone else, to lay my life down. Number Number 10, when I give, I get to open my hands to a God who will not be outgiven. So I can close my hands around my paycheck and my money and what God has given me. So much so that if any one of you tried to come and get this out, you wouldn't be able to. The problem is when I close my hand around it and close my hand to God, you couldn't put anything else in if you wanted to. But when I open my hand to God, I say, God, I'm yours. I'm a Jesus follower. I am God's. I open my hand to you. Have your way. Your will be done in my life. Guess what? I have an open hand to also receive. So when I give, I can then receive. 
Listen, God will not be outgiven. The God who sent his son, who gave his son, will not be outgiven. And today isn't a guilt trip. I'm not begging you for money. This isn't got to give. And I'm not saying God's going to rain down tax refunds on you because this isn't give to get. But God who gave his son will not be outgiven. And there's some witnesses in this church today who went from a closed hand to an open hand. And it's very simple. You just go home, 10%. Go home and figure it out. A lot of people then ask off the gross or the net, just start. (laughs) I do it off the gross because I want to put God very first. And I'm not going to have my government get theirs before my God gets his. I'm not looking for loopholes. I'm trying to be as generous as I can because the joy increases in my life when I give. And I firmly believe that generosity and obedience to God is the gateway to continued lasting joy in your life. God says, do you trust me? I don't change. I'm the Lord. We get to give. What a remarkable privilege. I think it's the remarkable privilege of our life that God knew when you'd be born, and he knew you'd be born in this I mean, the richest nation the world's ever known. In this time, he knew you'd have what you have. I think it's a remarkable privilege, wherever you fit on that spectrum, to say, I'm going to give back to God. I'm going to be invested in the kingdom of God. I think it's the great privilege of our life. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who gave the most generous gift. He laid his life down. I pray through the teaching of your word, you would... Help empower us to be who you created us to be. To not live with a scarcity mindset where there's not enough. Because in you, there's more than enough. And I know for many people this weekend, when we talk about the tithe, when we talk about offering, when we talk about giving back to you, that it's not a step of faith, it's a leap of faith. I pray that you would just put a sense of peace in them that will result in the joy found in generosity and giving back to you, that they'll see this as an act of worship to put you first in such a major area of our life. But God, I know that there's someone here, maybe in this room right now, who they don't need to give you money because they've never given you their life. They've never believed in you. I just invite you to do that right now, to believe in Jesus. to see the open hand that God has before you, the free gift of his son, the free gift of generosity, of eternal life in him, the free gift that every sin is forgiven, wiped clean, that you would grab that open hand. You would say, yes, I believe that Jesus is real. He lived a perfect life without sin, that he was a perfect sacrifice and he died in my place on the cross. And he rose from the dead. By the power of that empty grave, I could have eternal life. I don't have to suffer death. I can have eternal life with Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only son. That whoever believes it will not have to perish. They'll have eternal life. Through Jesus' name we pray. Amen.